Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the book of John, but before we do, it's time for... Listener Feedback! All right, this is from Ginny, who attends the DeKalb campus of Christ Community Church. And she said this, I enjoy the podcast each week. It's a blessing to me as I listen. And then she answered the questions we threw out a couple of weeks ago. She says, as far as where she listens, she says, I listen in the kitchen while preparing breakfast. It makes me wonder, like, is this a morning thing for more people or, or when? Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, I laughed over the piddling saga, mainly as I also am a yard piddler. So Eric's not alone there. Uh, and then she says, I appreciate the explanations of especially difficult Old Testament passages You've made much, it much clearer to understand. Thank you for doing this each week. It's appreciated, and you've become a familiar voice in my week. Well, thanks, Jenny. We thanks, appreciate Jenny. that. Whose voice has become familiar? All mm. of ours? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to find out. Definitely. Have, have, you guys, have you guys been talking to someone at all who recognized who you are because of your voice? Like they listened to the podcast? I had someone tell me that last week. That They, they heard your voice? And I, was like, talk, oh, I was talking to somebody in the church, mm-hmm. and they said... Are you Eric from the podcast? Because <laughs> they recognize my voice. Isn't oh, that fun? That wow. is fun. That is fun. Hey, I got a question. What? What's up? What, 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 what's up? I'll tell you what's up. Live podcast episode coming up. Mm. Let's talk about letting that. us do this. We're going to get we, this. This I is in know. our weekend I mean, we service. Might, we might get pulled off stage. Wow. This is going to be great. I'm, I'm excited for this. We are going to set up our our. Podcast table, all the gear, and we're gonna we're gonna do it live and uh, and engage with with the reading. And I think there'll be a little bit of audience audience participation. Yeah. Those who are there, uh, you can you can uh, join with us in how how we're doing this. There should be. What, what weekend are we doing that? The following this, weekend. This right? weekend. This weekend. Yeah, this weekend. And then when does that air? I'm so confused on when we record these and when <laughs> they air. And so it's it's gonna be October 23rd and 24th that weekend, and then it'll air uh, the following week on Monday. Okay, so October, awesome. what was the date again? 23 and 24. I just look at my calendar every day and it tells me where to go. That's I, the only reason I know that date. It's, it's my birthday. <gasps> whoa, 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 whoa. We're recording the live on episode in front oh, of- I shouldn't have said this. In front of thousands <laughs> oh. of people on your birthday. Okay, Eric, you and I got to talk. Yeah, Off this is going to be good. No. Without him. Okay, everybody. We got to talk. If, I've made uh, a terrible mistake. If you have no idea what we're talking about right now, on the weekend of October 23rd and 24th, we are moving our podcast studio to the main stage at our St. Charles campus where we, from where we broadcast our weekend worship services, and we are recording a podca- podcast episode live in front of thousands of people. Like we're, we're the you, sermon. possibly. Like if replacing the sermon, right? Yes, we are replacing the sermon. Yeah. That's so, going to be fun. Awesome. It's going to be so fun. So the, the podcast will be released, as always, on Monday morning. That live episode will be released, but I don't know when that airs. That's what I'm saying. Like when we record it live it, on October 23rd it'll and 24th. Air on the 25th. Then it airs immediately on the 20th. I'm looking at Caitlin right now because I want to believe Clay, uh, Clayton, but I'm not sure if I do. Well, it's really up to Tim. It's really up to <laughs> Tim. Tim. What? Tim I don't, is, underst- Tim I don't understand. Tim's our friend that who, who edits all of these. Yeah, Tim is the engineer that edits. Our nonsense. Caitlin is the producer. Oh, but it's coming your way. That's it's the coming. Point. It's, it's gonna coming. It's going to be fun. Okay. So uh, for sure, what we know is October 23rd and 24th, 
if you are if you live in the area, you can come to one of the Christ Community Church campuses and watch us live record the podcast at the St. Charles campus. At the same, well, if you're at any of our campuses, they can still see it broadcast, but they won't see us. Oh, they won't be in the room with us. That's right. Is what I'm you're talking saying. about being in. The, if you want to be in the room with us, you come to the St. Charles really, campus. There's really nothing special about being in the room so, with us. No, it's not. It's, but you know, it's up to you. <laughs> All right, guys. That's all. That's all happening. All right, Clayton. Thank you, Nikki, for doing your job. You're welcome. <laughs> Keeping us kind of on track. I think we're already like seven minutes into this episode. I'm going to have to read fast. I I agree with you. All Clayton, right. What are we looking so at today? Today's <laughs> passage is in John chapter six. Uh, let me give you a little context before we read it. Um, a couple of things have happened. Uh, Jesus has performed two miracles, very famous ones, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. So, you know, 5,000 families show up and Jesus takes some bread, multiplies it, feeds them all with just a few loaves and fish and pretty amazing. And and what that does, I mean, when you think about this, uh, if someone's giving away free food, what happens? Everybody comes and, you know, gathers around, right? So he's got this big crowd of people looking for free food. Um, the next thing that happens is he uh, walks on water. So they try to, he tries to get away from the crowd, get a, get a little retreat. He, uh, he sends the disciples out. He follows them walking on the water. Pretty amazing. Um, but the, the Keep going, uh, people <laughs> actually chase him around the lake. And so the crowd is waiting for him on the other side. And so this is the part where he addresses the crowd and says, hang on, guys. I know why you're here. You want bread. Like you want the bread. So uh, he talks for a while. We're not going to read all of that, but we're going to pick up at kind of the end of this conversation, this this teaching here, and he's going to say some forceful things, trying to uh, get at what people are really looking for. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 53 and read to the end of the chapter. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever." He said this while teaching in the synagogue in, in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. All right, let's start with O, which stands for observations. What do you guys see here? 
Well, I mean, at a first glance, it looks like Jesus is telling them that they all have to become cannibals. Yeah, that's it's something striking. Definitely something striking. Um, yeah, that, that, I mean, I imagine that they would say, oh, this is a hard teaching because of that. Like, how am I supposed to do that? Yeah, it's almost an understatement when they do that. Oh, this is a hard teaching. It's like, ew. <laughs> right. What is wrong with you? Like that's <laughs> And it seems like he doubles down on it, right? Yeah, because like, he, re- he goes because, into it even deeper. <laughs> yeah, like my my body is real food. My blood is real drink. Like, you know, we're, we're, sometimes you talk about Jesus talking in metaphors, which he seems to be. <laughs> But then he says, but my body is real food and my blood is real drink. Weird. It is weird. It is weird. What else do you see? Uh, I think he, he throws back to uh, their ancestors uh, eating uh, manna in the desert. So that kind of throws back to the Israelites wandering around the desert for 40 years and God providing food for them. Um, but then also him saying like, you know, you ate that and you died. But if you eat me, then you're going to live. <laughs> you know? The 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 manna in the desert thing is that is that connection to the feeding of the five thousand because when when he does that it's not just wow that's an amazing like I can't believe you pulled that off like what a miracle like it's a symbol of hey you remember when God made miraculous food appear every day for his people like it's just like when Moses was here which was like the the rescuer the liberator the guy who was going to come and save us someone even more amazing than that has shown up so they're they're you know they're attracted to that and he's trying to say. Yeah, but even if I just gave you more bread, that's not really going to, like, you're, you're going to still die. The bread's not going to keep you alive forever, but I can. Another thing I see here is the, the heading that's about halfway through, uh, which says many disciples desert Jesus, which might confuse some people because when you think of the disciples, you always only think of the 12 Right, but there were more and more followers of Jesus being collected, not just the twelve. And because Jesus is now teaching something that is hard to accept, a lot of people say, All right, this is about this is where I get off the train. Like the the whole miracle show, that was fun, and he said some cool things, but now he's some saying some things that I don't dig, so I am out. Why would he do that? What do you guys think? Like, it seems like the opposite of what, you know, I I mean, we're pastors, right? So like, we're always thinking, how can we help people who aren't connected to Jesus, aren't connected to church, come in and, you know, have an opportunity to hear. And even if they're in process, you know, have like, we we want that, the, the people to hear. And if there's more people who get to hear, that's a good thing. In this case, like, it's deliberate that Jesus seems to be pushing them to sort of clear people out. Why would he do that? He's telling the truth. And he says, the spirit gives life, flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Uh, because he came to testify of himself, right? He's, he's telling them the truth. And I, I, I don't think his, I guess you could say his intention was to thin out the crowd. But I think his, like we, we learn from the gospel of John that God doesn't want anyone to perish, that he wants all to come to faith. So I don't think he could say his intention is to thin out the crowd, but he's telling them the truth knowing that some aren't going to believe. So I guess you, you asked the question, what do you think he's doing? Telling the truth. Yeah. That's the best I've got. 
I, well, I, in connection with that, like I looked at 65 or 65 and he said he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled them. And I'm thinking like, okay, so there's, there's some sort of a c- connection and it, it's talking about the spirit and there as well, like the Holy Spirit and there as well. Like there's has to be some sort of a connection between God Move, like causing the Holy Spirit to move in an individual's life to actually bring them to a full belief and, and acceptance, surrender, you know, of Jesus. Um, and essentially, like, for those who, the, for those who have not, um, well, then they're, they're not considered Jesus' disciples. Like, I think there's just a, a distinction that Jesus is trying to make, like, Either God, through his, the Spirit, has enabled you to truly believe, be my disciples. And for those of you who can't be, then you can just go away. I think, I think there are times when it's necessary to like, um, like bring some things to the surface. So if he's got a group of people who are there for the wrong reasons, they're there for the, they're there for the, the freebies, that he's given out, you know, and it's it, so free food. That's why we're here. And at some point, you've got to say, "But do you really know what I'm doing?" Like, it's not it's not enough for you to come and hang out and feel really good that I'm here and get excited about you know all the miracles I'm doing and what this might mean. If you really aren't going to buy into this, it's not actually going to do you any good. And if I don't expose that, like if if I if I let you think that coming and hanging around while th- things are good is all it takes, and you don't really have to engage with what I'm saying about myself. And who I am, like that's actually not going to help you. Like it's not, it's not enough. And so if he doesn't sort of say, "Let me shock you <laughs> with what what is going on," they might drift along for a long time, thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm into this. I'm into this Jesus thing," and never grapple with that. And it's it's at some level, it's better to lose some people with that truth and that clarity than to have people deluded, thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing, I'm I'm all right with this." You know, you're going back to what. Nikki pointed out in, was it verse 665? Is that what you pointed out? This is why I told you that no one come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Mm -hmm. Recognizing Jesus for who he is and why he came and what he offers, I, I think part of what's going on here is when he says, no one can come to me unless the Father enables them, is that a... A selfish heart or a sinful heart can't be completely committed to God unless the Holy Spirit awakens and empowers the person to believe. Now that, and this is where it gets really confusing, like Christians will say like, well, when you come to faith, was it your choice or was it God just doing it, right? And the answer is uh, both, right? It's, it's, always, it's always both. Um, but... I think what we're learning here is Jesus is coming and he's and he's doing and he's he's revealing truth but to really be committed to Jesus to really put your faith in Jesus requires the Holy Spirit to somehow be engaging the life of a person which is why in the last episode when we were in John chapter 3 mm-hmm. Jesus is telling Nicodemus you must be born again and it is a work of the Holy Spirit that God is engaging with people to help them come to faith in who Jesus is. Let, let, let me go back to the, the flesh and blood thing, because we kind of just laughed about it, and, and, and I wonder if it's if worth engaging with that um, for a couple of reasons. One, it's just weird. So you're like, okay, what, what, what does he actually mean by it? 
the other reason is I, I've had conversations with people um, and they, they sometimes will connect this with communion. I don't know if you've ever encountered this where someone says, hey, what's going on at communion? When we say, uh, you know, Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. You know, and people say, is it a symbol? Is it, is it really changing into Jesus' body and blood? And sometimes people will go back to this verse and they'll say, well, maybe that's what he means. You know, he's saying, you've got it. You know, this is about communion. You literally have to have his flesh and blood. Um, and so this, this can confuse people and kind of point people in all sorts of different directions. So what, what do you think Jesus is saying about you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood? Uh, does it have to do with uh, the sacrifice, his sacrifice on the cross? Uh, I think like of Old Testament sacrifices, um, a lot of times it was, you know, you they were presenting some sort of animal, so that was the flesh, and then sometimes they would actually do like a, they would like drain the blood out of it and do some sort of a sacrifice that way. Um, and then when Jesus come, it's like he was that sacrifice for us, that what, old, what the Old Testament sacrifices could only do temporarily, he did once and for all. Like, that was it. Um, could it be that? And, and I, also, I, I also sometimes connect it to communion as well. I think it would have been super confusing to this audience, which would have been a Jewish audience, is the law of Moses expressly forbade the drinking of blood on penalty of being cut off from the people. So now they hear Jesus saying, if you want to be a part of me and part of my people, you have to drink blood, which is the complete opposite of, so it is, I can't even imagine their reaction to all of this because as weird as it is for us, it must've been crazy startling to them. Yeah. I, I think there's a clue that this that Jesus doesn't mean this literally. I, I mean, sometimes you intuitively know he must not mean that. But even with all the like reiteration of things, um, maybe you've noticed this already. We saw this actually in the story about Nicodemus last week. But other readings, there are lots and lots of times in the Gospel of John. It's like a theme in the Gospel of John where Jesus says something speaking about spiritual realities, and people interpret it incredibly literally. So I'm going to destroy the te- uh, the de- temple's going to be destroyed. I'm going to rebuild it in three days. Well, he's talking about his resurrection. The, uh, I'm, I'm, I've got living water. Oh, give me some water. Pull it out of the well. You know, uh, th- there's uh, stories about someone who's blind and sees, and the, you know, it's talking about spiritual blindness and 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 spiritual sight and some of these things, and they they interpret it very, very literally when he's speaking of something using a metaphor. I think this is one of those things that if you're reading the whole book of John, you realize, oh, this is a pattern. Um, but Jesus, I think, is doing it for some like shock you out of your you know your normal way of thinking kind of thing. But then he does kind of tip his hat. Like even, even when he doubles down, he goes into that uh, thing of saying, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. I think he's trying to say, there's something spiritual going on with what I'm trying to describe to you that is more than just you and your human effort and, you know, and, and, and things like that. So I think there's a, a tip there. Um, I think what he's getting at, like if you boil it down, is he's saying, like if you really want what will nourish you, it is not simply having your physical needs met although those are important, like the, all throughout the Bible, God, Jesus is meeting physical needs all throughout the gospel of John. But he's saying, if you, if you really want this eternal life, if you really want the thing that will last, if you really want what I'm offering, you need to be, you need to be wholly dependent on me. Like you need to take me in and make me like, like integrated into part of your life. It's, it's like eating and consuming, being nourished by me. And he uses his flesh and blood because he's talking about, he's going to give his, his body literally uh, on, on the cross. Mm-hmm. Which they wouldn't have known. Which they wouldn't have which known. Which just at this makes point. it <laughs> right. incredible. 
It must have been an incredibly difficult thing for them to understand. When when we look at verse 55 and he says, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink, and we joked earlier that he's just doubling down on this. I eat bread to sustain life, right? You drink water to sustain life. And I think what Jesus might be saying is here, real bread and real drink, I'm offering you real life. And then he contrasts it with eating the manna that was provided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you can think about the temporary here and now, but that's really just like existence, like sustenance, which which you need. But I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about real life that's found in me. Yeah. And one one thing too to not misunderstand when he says oh, there's the there's a spirit and there's the flesh. He's not saying the physical things don't matter. Um, the the fact that Jesus came in the flesh, he's resurrected in the flesh. John emphasizes this a lot. But there is, there is something deeper and more uh, going on along with that as well. Um, I, I want to um, zero in on the final part here because I think there's something worth noticing because as shocking as it is, as people walk away, Jesus turns to the disciples, the 12, the, the, the smaller, tighter-knit group of disciples around him, and he kind of like has the moment of truth with them. Do you, do you want to leave too? Like, is this too much for you even? And I... I have always loved Peter's answer. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Like there's there's something to be said for saying, I looked around and I'm not sure where else I'm gonna find life. Like I've looked, I've looked to see, is there anything else that can offer me life more than Jesus can? But I'm convinced it's you. Even, even though this confuses me, it troubles me, I'm not sure what to do with all of this. You're still the one that has life. You're still the one that has life. That, that's actually where I want to move to the M and come. I want to do meditation. I'd like us to do that on that response of Peter. So I'm going to read it to you again. 45 seconds. Think about this. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. All right, let's go to M for message. What message do you guys have from this passage? Yeah, just based on what we were talking about, uh, I think it's pretty clear. Verse 68, uh, Jesus has the words of eternal life. Um, That can only be gained through him. My message is coming from verse 70. Clayton and Nikki, one of you is a devil. (laughs) Oh, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Sorry, that's enough. Thanks, Harry. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Stop it. Stop it. Okay, I was just kidding. But that is in the Bible right there. Yet one of you is a devil. Uh, my, my message here is 
kind of uh, taking the, the, the statement from Jesus where he said, my body is real food and my blood is real drink. If you want real life. And then, you know, when Peter answers, well, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Real life, eternal life is found in the person of Jesus. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd say something similar. Um, wherever else you look, you're not going to find life unless you're looking at Jesus. Like he's, he's the one who has life. Um, and and I, I, another way I might put it is unless we feast on Jesus, like you take that, that, that nourishing image, unless we feast on Jesus, we'll be spiritually dead. We won't have life. How do we apply this? A, application. What do we do in response? Uh, mine was, I don't know, like along the lines of kind of like what, what you were saying is this idea of, of assessing what are the things um, that I am looking to or feasting on, I guess you could say, uh, to find that I think represent like life, you know what I mean, or a fullness of life um, that are completely lacking. You know what I mean? But I think that I'm getting something from them that's of quality and of worth. Uh, so what, what am I feasting on other than Jesus, I think, is, is a good thing to look at and assess. I've got two in my head. One is just in my own personal life, and one, one is as a pastor. For, for my personal life, um, I'm thinking about the, the statement, the Israelites ate the manna for, that was provided from heaven, and they still died. So temporary things provide temporarily, which isn't necessarily bad, but eternal things provide for eternity, right? So it's not bad to have a nice house or want food or good things for your kids, but those are temporary things and they only provide temporarily. Mm. So don't get fixated or place those things at a higher importance than you ought to place them. Eternal things are eternal and temporary things are temporary. From the pastoral side of things, it just reminds me when, when Jesus says hard things to a crowd and some people walk away, as a pastor, I have to be reminded that the point isn't for everybody to like everything I say. The point isn't just to grow a church for the sake of saying there's more people in the church because you could have thousands of people in a church, like sitting around in a church building, singing the songs and doing the things, but never really fully putting their faith in Jesus. And so it just reminds me as a pastor to do my job well and not to get sucked into just wanting people to like everything that I say or do. Yeah, it, you know, I, it, it's it's one of those things. If you, if no one ever walks away, if no one's ever called to that that harsh reality, and they say, "I can't take it," you might you might be avoiding it. You know what I mean? It might be a sign that you you aren't really saying what you need to say. Uh, as far as my application, I I I think that idea of eating uh, Jesus. <laughs> so. Um, Oh gosh, it's it's so it's so hard not to think about it literally. It's gross, but the the idea of not just to sort of like have Jesus as an aspect of my, my life, but like daily, like that's what you you eat regularly, oh, again and again, and you you savor, you enjoy, you you're nourished by that. I want that to be how I relate to Jesus. That He's not just a, a checklist. He's not just you know kind of officially there in my life. But I like today. I want to spend time saying, this satisfies me. It is good to be with Jesus. He's the one I depend on. I draw my life on to ponder him, like to, to be looking at, this is what he did for me. This is, this is his death on the cross. This is the resurrection. This is his life in me. This is who he is. That like, 
That should satisfy us. And so uh, I want to spend time feasting on Jesus. All right, good stuff. Well, thank you for listening to us this week. Uh, Join us next Monday. We're going to have a new episode for you. Uh, And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can email us your questions and suggestions at podcast.biblesavvy.com. And lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.